0: Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous people would say if you asked them for their side of the story? Well, here's your chance. You're listening to Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. I'm Charles Dance. Hindsight is a dramatized series based on historical events that resurrect some of the world's most memorable figures. In this episode, we meet Pol Pot. In the West, his name is synonymous with Cambodia's infamous Khmer Rouge, one of the most brutal dictatorships of the 20th century. In hindsight, was this a case of one man's bloodthirsty hunger for power or the unraveling of a mission for an agrarian utopia? Hindsight, you've heard of them, but now it's time you hear from them. I don't think this will be a very
1: interesting interview for you. I'm not a very talkative person.
0: The old man's warning to the reporter is as soft as a lullaby. So soft, it's almost drowned out by the hum of the jungle that surrounds them. Since I was young, this has been my nature. I'm quiet. It's July 1997 more than 20 years after the genocide, known as the Killing Fields of Cambodia. The Khmer Rouge is no longer in power, and Pol Pot, once its leader, is now the guerrilla group's prisoner at one of their jungle encampments, serving out a life sentence for ordering a hit on a rival. If he feels guilt for any of it, the summary executions, the mass starvation, the culture of class warfare, Xenophobia and death, so much death, he gives nothing away.
1: I came to carry out the struggle not to kill people. My conscience
0: is clear. Months after that interview with American journalist Nate Thayer, Cambodian government forces closed in on the Jungle camp. Khmer Rouge fighters guarding Pol Pot got ready to run. They told his wife and young daughter to pack, but it was all for nothing. Pol Pot's heart was giving out on him. Behind closed eyelids, the scenes from his life rolled back across the years, out of the jungle and south to his father's rice paddies to when he was just a boy. We could see the river from our house in our
1: little village of Prexpov. We were 9 children in all. I was number 8, born May, 1925. My parents called me Tsar, but you'll know me as Pol Pot. My brother Chai was just a little older, Nep was the youngest, we were close. My family was a peasant family, like the rest of our village.
0: Peasants, sure, but with a certain level of privilege. Pol Pot's family was decidedly not like the rest of the village, and everyone knew it. His father owned more than nine hectares of rice paddies and plenty of livestock in central Cambodia. Two of Pol Pot's older siblings worked at the royal palace in the capital, Phnom Penh. A cousin was a concubine to the old king. In Cambodia, a small urban elite held sway over an impoverished countryside. Pol Pot's family straddled both worlds.
1: This special status came from my grandfather, Elder Femme. He was a hero in the Great Rebellion against the French in 1885. He grew up in what everyone called the Years of Calamity. When our country was caught up in a war between our neighbors, the Thais, and the Vietnamese. Shh, Chai. Father is going to tell the story about when grandfather saw a soldier gouge out that lady's eye. We were Khmer, descendants of Cambodia's ancient civilization. We were also Buddhist. I think... It might have been my mother's idea to send me to a monastery in Phnom Penh when I was nine. She was devout. It was a very strict place. Up at 4 a.m., no eating after midday. A good mix of prayer and punishment. I loved it. I had to shave my head and wear the same robe as every other novice monk. We also had to walk and move the same way. Objectification, order, and obedience were our daily lessons. Many of the other boys would cry for their mothers. I did not. My years there were some of my most cherished.
0: Years is an exaggeration. Young Pol Pot only spent one year at the monastery, but the harsh lessons certainly made their mark. The daily life of a novice monk in the 1930s would serve as a blueprint for the infamous cooperatives during the Khmer Rouge's rule in the 1970s. After the monastery, I went to a fine school with my big brother Chai.
1: I failed a lot. But school really was a waste of time for me.
0: The academic side may be, but the connections he made at school would one day turn out to be some of the most feared men of Cambodia. Nice scissor
1: kick. You're Sampan, right?
0: Q Sampan, brilliant and ambitious. He'll become brother number four in the Khmer Rouge's leadership of so-called brothers.
1: We have a friend in common, Yin Sari.
0: Yang Sari, street smart and politically minded, brother number three. As Pol Pot reached adulthood, major global changes were afoot that would directly affect his decisions as he rose to power. China's communist revolution and the Second World War the former inspired communists across Southeast Asia. The latter weakened France's colonial hold on the region. Meanwhile, in 1941 Cambodia, a new young king, Norodom Sayanok, took the throne. As for Pol Pot with school behind him and a carpentry certificate in hand, he headed to Paris. He didn't have much else to do. And besides, the ticket was paid for.
1: I arrived in France on October 1st, 1949, on the SS Jamaique, with a government scholarship to study radio engineering. I must have been 24 years old at the time. At first, I met up with my old friends from school who were also studying in Paris. They started the Khmer Student Association. We talked politics. So what you're saying is that communism and independence from France go hand in hand?
0: Yes. I can keep a secret. What's that? Yes. I'll join your group. This left-wing study group was called the Cirque Marxiste.
1: I was surrounded by intellectual revolutionaries whose vision for Cambodia was a communist state. Their strategy? armed struggle. These were dangerous ideas, so we split into cells to keep the group secret and safe. This was a tactic that would serve us well as we built our revolution in the jungles of Cambodia.
0: Not that he knew any of that back then in Paris. He was still trying to understand communist theory. I don't know about you all, but I
1: really don't understand the big, thick works of Marx.
0: Just how much Pol Pot spoke up at those meetings depends on who you ask. Some of his old comrades say he kept a low profile, listening more than anything else. Others say he spoke up often and with passion, enigmatic from the beginning. But it's agreed that the somewhat aimless young man who arrived in France had been replaced by a budding revolutionary. A sign of the times, China's revolution inspired communists across the region. In Vietnam, French soldiers were fighting Ho Chi Minh's communist guerrillas. And then, in 1952, King Sayanok of Cambodia launched a power grab that ignited something in Pol Pot.
1: Sihanouk just dismissed the government, declared a state of emergency, and made himself prime minister. Oh, they France was the main enemy, but it was clear
0: Sihanouk had to go. The king's heart was wicked. Opposition parties were at each other's throats. Fighting groups were popping up at home. For Pol Pot, it was a good time for a revolution. Why don't I go back and see who we should support? Investigate.
1: Send back word to you here.
0: Pol Pot was saving face as much as he was volunteering for a mission. By now, he'd flunked out of school and lost his scholarship, but unbeknownst to him, the path he was on was heading straight for the top.
1: It was a long journey to Phnom Penh. Fighting between armed groups made it difficult to get around. Transport, trade, all of it was a mess. What I saw next hurt my heart. Uncle, is that you? My uncle used to have land, buffaloes, everything. Now he was driving a rickshaw. Forced to taxi pedal people around. I was outraged. The answer to our problems was our independence from colonialism, so I set out to find the group most closely aligned with the ideas of Circle Marxiste. I found that some were pro-monarchy, some against, some were anti-communist, some not. But they all had one thing in common they were against the French. I met one group that was well known for torturing anyone they thought was sympathetic to the French. I heard you drank his blood? Is it also true that you ripped open a man's belly and fried his liver right in front of him? The only group left for me to investigate was the Khmer Viet Minh. Communist Cambodians helping the Vietnamese fight the French. I walked for months to reach their jungle camp across the border in Vietnam. They invited me to stay and help. Oof. What a stench.
0: But here Pol Pot developed another important connection to Samot, a former monk and professor. He would become part of the Khmer Rouge's inner circle.
1: I learned some Vietnamese, and after a while, they gave me a chance to fight the French with them. I sent word back to Paris on my progress. They agreed that the Vietnamese communists would be a good ally in an armed struggle. A temporary tool. We all wanted our independence, and the best part...
0: They beat the French. When Ho Chi Minh's Viet Minh forces defeated the French in 1954, it marked the end of French colonial rule in Indochina. But for Pol Pot and his comrades, there was a second hurdle to overcome. Say a knock. His government was recognized as the only legal authority in Cambodia. Pol Pot thought the Vietnamese might want to help them get rid of him.
1: WISHFUL THINKING So, Tusumot and I went back to Phnom Penh. Elections were happening in 1955, so we organized on the left and pushed hard for reform. It was a waste of time. Siyanok saw to that. He abdicated and put his father on the throne so that he could run as a private citizen. Then Siyanok started his own party. Intimidated the opposition, strong-arming them to join forces. He won the election.
0: Hardly a contest. Once in power, Sayanok suppressed what was left of the opposition and pushed Pol Pot and his friends underground. But then his personal prospects would also change.
1: I met an acquaintance from my days in Paris. Q. Ponari. She was a revolutionary, too. We married in 1956. I was about 30, 31 at the time. Here comes my father, Ponati. Lie prostrate before him. Don't look so shocked. Do it. Lie face down. It's an ancient tradition. No one really understands why I made my wife do that. I never really shared an explanation.
0: His friend, Ieng Sare, once said that in theory, Pol Pot believed women to be equal. With his new wife, in this instance at least, that took a back seat to Khmer tradition. By day, Pol Pot and his wife worked as teachers. By night, and in secret to avoid Sayanok's crackdowns on communist groups, he built his own political party with his old friend, Tusamot, we
1: formed the Communist Party of Kampuchea in 1960. The
0: communist name for Cambodia. In time, they'll develop its armed wing, the Khmer Rouge. So Tu
1: will be first in charge, then Nuon Che. Nuon Che was new. He was an activist and communist in Thailand. He was secretive and clever. Nuanché, come meet Q. Sampan, a great intellectual, and you've already met Ian Sari. Everyone was back from Paris and supported our political party. I started out as Brother Number Three, but not for long. Nuanché, what's wrong? The government killed Tusamot? That means you're in charge. What do you mean you want to quit? That would make me brother number one.
0: Pol Pot sound surprised, shocked even. But was he really? There's a theory, an accusation never proven that he was somehow involved in Toussaint Mott's death in order to clear his own path to the leadership. If true, it would not be the last time he would turn on a comrade. People blamed Sianak for
1: killing Tussamot. He was cracking down on Democrats, Communists, you name it. Many disappeared. People were angry. He took notice of us too and started calling us Khmer Rouge. By 1963, Many of us felt we had to leave Phnom Penh. Party members smuggled me out of the capital in the back of a truck. I hid under sacks of charcoal. We crossed the border into South Vietnam and I arrived at a jungle camp for communists. Once I was there, I gathered more of our members into our camp for Cambodians.
0: One by one? members of Pol Pot's inner circle joined him in the jungle to plot their strategy to get rid of Sayanok. In 1964, they drafted a resolution calling for an armed struggle. They used glass bottles and waxed paper to run off copies and sent them out in secret across the country. Jungle life demanded ingenuity. Life was hard in the jungle.
1: We never knew when we'd get supplies or food. Disease was everywhere too, especially malaria. But we persevered. We built more camps, expanded our forces, lobbied communist allies around the world and developed our ideology. There's no model, no blueprint. I see it as a mixture of influences. A little of this, a little of that. But the biggest influence was China's Chairman Mao. His focus on the peasantry in an agricultural revolution made sense to me. I felt in touch with the lower levels, the monks, the ordinary people while visiting villages in the jungle. More Cambodians from the countryside joined us. My wife met up with us too. By then, We knew she couldn't have children, so the revolution was our baby. Our comrades were our family instead. We called each other brother and sister. We were ready to replace the greed, corruption, and oppression of the Sienok regime
0: with our brand of heaven on earth. But that's not exactly how it went. In 1968, the Khmer Rouge attacked an army outpost, sparking a complicated and bloody civil war. At that point, Sayanok was the enemy, but two years later, he was suddenly an ally. (laughs) I will never forget when I first heard him on the radio praising the Khmer Rouge. In 1970, Sayanok was stuck overseas, trying to regain power after being deposed by a military coup.
1: It was a sly move, trying to side with us, but we used it to our advantage. There was still support for the monarchy in the countryside, so the Khmer Rouge benefited from their support too. The new enemy was now the military dictatorship. We kept up with our attacks and
0: expanded our territory. Adding to the chaos of their own civil war... Cambodians were also contending with the war in Vietnam, which was now spilling over its border. Americans were killing communist Vietnamese forces who'd set up camps in Cambodia. Plenty of Cambodians were killed too. But with each passing year in the jungle, the Khmer Rouge grew stronger.
1: The Vietnamese finally joined our side. They'd been using our territory for their fight against the Americans. was about time. In 1972, I rode out on elephant back to meet the people in newly liberated
0: areas. We were about to change their lives. It was unusual for Pol Pot to make such a public display. Perhaps he felt protected by his recent name change. He was born Saloth-Sar, but started going by Pol Pot in the 1960s. It was one of several aliases. Brother number one was another. It's good to change your name from time to time. It confuses the enemy. So many enemies. And now a new one joined the fray. The U.S. started targeting the Khmer Rouge directly in 1973 as its territory and presence grew closer to Phnom Penh. But the bombings and the fighting only strengthened the Khmer Rouge's resolve and those of the people living in the countryside. Farmers offered food and supplies, and their sons signed up to fight. By this time, the many lessons Pol Pot had learned over the years, from the monks when he was a child, to Chinese Chairman Mao, were crystallizing into a terrifying manifesto. Cambodia may have been in the middle of a civil war, but that didn't stop Pol Pot and his comrades from launching their experimental agrarian communist revolution. Step one, reorganize life in the country. Shut down the village merchants and markets and force everyone into the rice cooperatives. No exceptions. Our future
1: is in rice. The yields must be as high as the people can manage. Higher, even. That's how we will get the money to build our new socialist system. Right, sorry. Did you know that the vast majority of people who lived in the countryside were destitute? They didn't get enough to eat.
0: What we offered was better. He's stretching. Yes, Cambodia was poor. Many people didn't know where their next meal was coming from and Pol Pot fed into that insecurity. In reality, the cooperatives he set up gave Pol Pot control, a way to ensure that the Khmer Rouge could track every last grain of rice. His dream of communal life was more akin to slavery, hard labor and no pay, little food, violent discipline. The Khmer Rouge would tear the people down by day, and at night gathered them together to build them up again. Chanting propaganda, telling them they were better than the educated and elite of the towns and cities, promising that soon, as long as they stayed loyal, they would be the bosses. But the Khmer Rouge had to win the country first. The Vietnamese pulled
1: out of our fight against the military dictators once they won their war against the Americans. Cowards and traitors. The future of Cambodia was on the line. We got tougher on our own fighters. No more leniency. If you tried to leave, you were shot. We had to get tough and it
0: worked. With victory imminent for the Khmer Rouge, foreigners fled the capital. Few Cambodians managed to escape.
1: On April 17, 1975, we entered Phnom Penh. The country was ours. Year Zero had begun. People were tired of war, and they welcomed our comrades. I wasn't there
0: yet. Comrade Tamak was in charge. Tamak was head of the military wing of the Khmer Rouge. He became known as the Butcher for his leading role in a series of bloody purges. Yes, the worst was yet to come. He had them lined up against the
1: wall and... They deserved
0: it. They were all guilty of crimes in the Civil War. They were soldiers and officials from Lon Nol's Khmer Republic, the old military guard that had overthrown Sayanok. The cities were cesspools filled with intellectuals and the elite. We
1: needed to get them out, wash the scum away with the purity of life in the countryside. It was easy to get the people to evacuate the city. (laughs) We just told them an American air raid
0: was coming. Refugees streamed out of the capital. Some two million women, children, and the elderly walked into the countryside with no possessions during one of the hottest months of the year. Families on the road south of Phnom Penh were also reportedly broken up and divided into groups according to their age and sex. Not even Pol Pot's own beloved brother, Chai, was spared. He died somewhere along the route, along with thousands of others. There wasn't much room for sentiment in this revolution.
1: This is what we had been planning for 20 years. Everyone out of the cities, so we could build a communist nation of peasant cooperatives in the countryside. Self-sufficient and independent from the West. Free from outside influence.
0: It's a perverted pursuit for a man who experienced little hardship in his privileged youth. But none of that mattered now. There was no stopping Pol Pot on the Khmer Rouge. We called ourselves car the organization.
1: We would be the leaders. Notice that I say we, and not me. We kept Sienok as an ally, made him head of state, but made sure
0: he stayed overseas. Sienok made for a good diplomatic cover, to distract the world from the atrocities going on within Cambodia's borders. In 1975, I called party officials from
1: all over the country to the capital. Ah, everyone is here now. Nuanche, Kyusampan, Iansari, Tamak, all the commanders. We are Ankar, the organization. <laughs> Evacuate the rest of the cities and towns. Ban all markets and currency empty the monasteries and force the monks to grow rice like everyone else triple the rice output expel every last vietnamese close the borders we shut the schools too after all what has education ever done for me cambodia was in the past no more than a colonial memory
0: we renamed our country democratic Cambodia. Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge might have been successful in waging a guerrilla war. But in a way, they were trying to run a society with the discipline of a guerrilla camp. And the economics were all wrong. The rice farming cooperatives proved to be a disaster. Crops failed. Overworked and underfed, people began to die. Why were we failing? Sabotage, that's what
1: enemies were undermining our revolution, I suspected it was someone from
0: within. Paranoia might have contributed to Pol Pot's survival in the shadows, but now as the head of the party and faced with failure of their revolution, it was starting to eat at him. Most Cambodians didn't know the name Pol Pot. They didn't know he led Ankar, the organization, but the leadership did. And he felt a target on his back. That is why we opened the S 21
1: prison. We set it up at an old school in Phnom Penh. As I said, we didn't need schools anymore.
0: Upwards of 17,000 people, most of them high ranking officials, would end up in S 21. Those accused of being counter revolutionaries were interrogated, tortured. Suspects didn't go in alone. Whole families were rounded up. Only a handful of people survived. I have a report here about an interrogation of a pregnant woman at S-21. Looks like they sliced her open and
1: pulled the fetus right out of her. Can you believe that? Brother number one, did you hear me? I heard him. I also remembered what we told the guards at the prison. Cut out your heart. There was to be no sympathy for counter-revolutionaries. We kept detailed records. You can check those for the lower ranks. As for what happened in the countryside, what you call the Killing Fields, I really don't know.
0: Hard to ignore. The Killing Fields dotted the countryside with thousands of mass graves containing the bodies of more than a million people. And the Killing Tree... Its trunk soaked in children's blood leaves little doubt of the atrocities carried out there. It's my understanding farmers did most of the actual killing. Rather, commune officials recruited the farmers, taught them to control and destroy. They took orders without question. They were terrified to do anything else. Anyone from the city, including children, and especially the educated, were not to be trusted. Their fates were sealed. Prisoners tried to help one another.
1: Do as you're told.
0: They might lash you with the electric wire. Give you electric
1: shocks. You must not cry at all.
0: The killings took place right in the fields meant to grow rice for this great new society. So many accomplices, so much atrocity. Pol Pot may have closed the border, but word still got out. In 1978, it finally came to an end, and soon the whole world would know. Vietnam invaded us, as yes, I knew they would. On January 7, 1979, Vietnamese troops took Phnom Penh. They marched through its empty streets, bewildered, its population emptied, the S-21 prison abandoned. In the cooperatives in the countryside, Troops discovered starving people, their hollow eyes staring out from skeletal faces, prison torture chambers soaked in blood, bloated bodies under the sun in roadside ditches. The Khmer Rouge reign lasted three years and eight months, but it's estimated that two million people were either killed or died of starvation, overwork, and disease.
1: I wanted to put it all behind us and concentrate on the future. Let bygones be bygones, that's what Sampan would say later. So we scattered. I spent the rest of my life in the jungle where I belonged, I guess. Same for most of my comrade brothers and sisters. We dropped a lot of our communist ideas, but we kept up our fight against the Vietnamese occupation for many years. Comrades, the time for the Communist Party of Campuchia is over. We must make the liberation from Vietnam our number one priority.
0: Revolution was still on his mind, and something else.
1: I wanted to be a father, but I needed to talk to my wife about that. I need your permission to remarry. I've stood by you, but I'm in my 60s now. I want a family. She agreed. I remarried in 1987, and we had a girl. We lived together at our camp in the jungle. It was my one bright spot in my twilight years. We had lost territory, influence, and allies. When the Vietnamese finally left, our old nemesis was back. Sihanouk re-established the monarchy and made himself king again in 1993. We decided to boycott politics But I believed We were still a group Ready for a fight
0: Then in 1996 There came a blow That the group and Pol Pot Would never recover from Brother number three Defected Ian Sari Took
1: thousands of fighters With him He struck a deal With Sianak And started his own Political party He was always Such a politician
0: And Che, Incompetent I blame him for losing so much territory. By this time, a campaign to bring the Khmer leadership to justice was underway. So, too, was the wheeling and dealing for pardons. In June of 1997, a longtime Khmer Rouge associate, who seemed in line for a pardon, was killed, along with several family members. Suspect number one was brother number one. So... Tarmok, the butcher, ordered that Pol Pot be put under house arrest. In July, the Khmer Rouge put their leader on trial in the jungle. They
1: found me guilty of the murders. They made me a prisoner in my own home.
0: After everything I had done for them, for the revolution. Pol Pot only lasted a year under house arrest. He died of heart failure in April 1998 when he was 73 years old. Khmer fighters wrapped his body in a tarp, placed him in a wooden box. They built a funeral pyre with an old mattress and some blankets, a couple of tires and bits of wood. Placed a cane chair on the top for good measure. They cremated him in traditional Buddhist style. The only sign that this was anything more than a pile of junk, a great mass of jungle flowers bright fuchsia and orange the wreath of morning sat on top in a final nod to whatever was left to Pol Pot's humanity its delicate petals curling turning to ash as the flames consumed it all Hindsight is narrated by me Charles Dance this series was produced by South Podcasts their team is Producer, Rana Dawood. Associate producer, Basant Samhout. Sound design by Paul Tedeschini. Assembly sound editing by Yazan Kawas. This episode is written by Morgan Waters. Research by Rama Sabanek. Fact checking by Rahaf Salahat. Paul Pot is played by Keith Harris. Extra Voices played by Ramsey Testel. Voice coaching by Zayn Ganma. Recording by Audio Process and Edge Studio. Additional research and fact-checking by Al Jazeera and Lynn Enwin. Script editing by Danello Hawaleska. Joe DeFries is the executive producer of Special Projects. Juan Carlos van Meek is Al Jazeera's Director of Digital Innovation and Programming. Hindsight is a historical drama podcast. All dramatized scenes and dialogue are inspired by historical events, old interviews, and in some cases, new conversations with people close to the subject.